What does it mean to be an Indian woman and Muslim living in Delhi, India, and in Europe? In this episode, Tarana shares with us her experiences of being othered as a Muslim woman in Delhi and as an Indian woman in The Hague, the Netherlands. I'm Fumi, this is Hashtag R Racism, and this is the story of Tarana. Tarana was born and raised in Delhi, the capital city of India. She is half North Indian, half South Indian, and Muslim. She reflects on her family background and upbringing. Born and brought up in Delhi, half North Indian, half South Indian. So I sort of have a very intercultural sort of background. I have relatives from Canada, France, and all over the world, basically. So yeah, that's sort of, but born and brought up in Delhi, lived all my life here till I was 22, 23, that I moved to Geneva for my master's. And before that, when I was probably six or seven, I used to live in Washington, D.C. for a year. So as you can figure, I've moved around a lot for different reasons, right? And yeah, I mean, coming from a Muslim background and sort of upper middle class kind of a family, I've been privileged that way for sure to have the opportunity to go abroad, right? And uh, work, study and do things I wanted to do because... If you have a similar conversation with another Muslim girl in India or practically any person from South Asia, probably you won't hear these kind of things. You probably hear that, you know, that just to get education as a bachelor's degree or something would be a big deal because after 20 to 23, you'd be married off and, you know, have like truckloads of kids, basically. (laughs) Right. So, yes, I think I would say that I'm fortunate enough that way. Tarana shares her first two experiences of being othered in her life. Both occurred in Delhi. 2010, I think I was in high school and it was a normal classroom and, you know, lunch break is going on and everybody is playing, having fun, chit-chatting, typical classroom lunch break situations, right? So there was that phase where I think I, I don't know if I would say I became popular kid in school or sort of, you know, you have a like um what do I say claim to fame suddenly you become the cool kid in school right you become this from unknown to known person so I was in that phase that's precisely when I had gone to Germany and come back after a school exchange program and you know generally did well academically and things like that um that's precisely when I I was in school during lunch break a boy came up to my seat and said that oh the seat is dirty don't sit uh, don't sit here to somebody else and I just got up from that seat right and that person said why like it's just a normal chair but what's the deal he said no because a muslim girl was sitting here now it's become dirty and i overheard that right so that was a the first instance of racism or feeling of othered i felt but nobody cared about it back then right and things moved on another instance i can say was i think a year and a half later i was in another school So in this phase, like 2010 end kind of phase, I decided that I want to shift my school. I was going through a lot of, let's say, trauma or, you know, problems in school. There were lots of fights. I went to the school counselor and, you know, lots of drama like you see in these teenage movies and stuff. But a lot happened, right? To the extent that these these kids who bullied me were almost about to be rustigated from school because obviously the kind of things they did and said, right? And my parents got involved and, everything happened so I decided that I want to change my school 
one because they didn't have the subjects that i want to take up and secondly because of the kind of culture that was in school so my parents felt it's not the best right so i shifted to another school it was all going well but this was um like second half of my high school life like let's say 12th grade time is when that i was called a terrorist it it was the first time that somebody called in in a heated like kind of discussion like not a discussion but an argument with a girl in a class i was called a terrorist and i mean that broke me that literally just you know i was like what like how can somebody say that right and in my anger of course um, now i feel bad about it and i did apologize back then but i responded back to that girl in and in saying her something really derogatory i called her right wing supporter and what not like extreme hinduism kind of comments right because that was my way of sort of getting out that anger probably or sort of answering back but so i think these two were really strong instances because they kind of made me turn you know become a better person a b i think it made me a stronger person because now if something of this sorts happens i know how to deal with it right and not just with myself but you know generally with my friends or family or people around me who i care about right i know how to deal with them because i saw it at a very sort of early stage right so i think that's that's i think definitely been two you know important let's say i won't call them milestones for sure but important instances that happened to me in school tarana reflects on the prejudices against muslim communities within india i think the prejudices come from history right from the let's say the past experiences of let's say the generations before us right um and they all start from the partition when india and pakistan separated right and uh, a majority of the muslim population decided to go to pakistan uh, i mean also yeah i mean not me but a lot of us as muslims in india have been said that oh go to pakistan like why do you here this is not your country so i think these kind of comments are sort of part and parcel of any muslim's life unfortunately and because i think i'm as much as an indian as any any other person here so i think it starts off from there it's that's the starting point i think partition led to all of this and i think i don't know i am saying this on my experience and instances i can be wrong i can i don't know but i think it's that's the starting point and also the general sort of wave in the country this entire move towards the the right the right wing ide- ideology and things as i think instigated that and made it worse because i i've seen this more from 2014 onwards but before that i think things were relatively better i won't say the best but you know you wouldn't have those kind of conversations but now if you go on social media right if you see let's say uh, anybody's posts or jokes or memes you see it you you can very clearly see racism and especially towards not just marginalized muslims or even jews and christians i'm sure are facing but in india um muslims are the second highest huge population right it's the second highest population in the country so that's the next target i think it's worse for a female than for a male because i think men don't hear it that directly men would maximum hear oh you're a terrorist a man with a gun but for women it's it's not just racism but it's also sexism that comes in so that's the sad part that makes it worse i feel 
Tarana elaborates on some of the stereotypes Muslims, including herself, experience, both in India and elsewhere. I think one, like the general perceptions are, uh, one is that uh, all Muslims wear hijab or, or wear a headgear, A. B, all of them um, get married really early, like, you know, probably at 20, 21, 22, which is actually true for a lot of other Middle East countries also for Muslims, right? Um, all Muslims are fair or like, you know, have a fair complexion, which is not true again. Because if you're a Muslim in the south of India or let's say some other part of India, you might not always be fair. Also, I think um, another thing was all all Muslims are, I mean, again, stereotypes, but a lot of people think all Muslims will always be non-vegetarian, but a lot of them are not. Some of them are vegetarians by choice, right? I mean, why not? Um, yeah, also that all Muslims don't educate their girls. I mean, they will educate them for bare minimum so that they can get married off, right? So that those checklists are are met pretty easily for finding the right groom. Um yeah, I think those, I would say, are the uh, sort of bigger buckets of being prejudiced again. In India, there is a caste system, a form of social stratification where people are divided into hierarchical groups based on their work and duty to society. Tarana shares her take on the relationship between the caste system and racism. I'm not an expert on this, but... I think the relationship is that caste is sort of the social order or the, the hierarchies that are created. Uh, so the lower caste, highest caste on the basis of your profession. So you will have like Brahman, Shudra, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Dalits. So these are different categories that were made way back then, back in history, on the basis of your occupation, right? So that's caste. Racism is more of a consequence of it. So it would be like, you know, let's say you're a lower caste. So you, you face racism. You are a higher caste. So you're privileged. You are, you, you got, you've got perks and privileges and sort of you're higher up in the hierarchy, right? Um, also, then you have reservations in India, which I'm sure most people know about. So to protect and empower the lower caste, the reservations were made. So that's the larger linkage between racism and caste. So racism is more of a manifestation or a sort of consequence of the caste system. Also, the caste system is very complex. I think I can never explain it to anybody. But in a nutshell, that's how um, caste system works. And fun fact is that caste system is also in, in, in Muslims. And which very few people know about because typically when you read in, you know, texts and things, you think that it's always only in Hindus, but it's also in Muslims. And the, the and the, the, the crux of the matter is that the caste system was made by the society. It was never in any uh, holy books or anything. It was made by people, all man-made. But again, some people try to justify it and say that, no, 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 it existed back then also. I don't know. I don't know the correct answer to it, that if it existed or not. But from my understanding, it was all man-made. Tarana reflects on her identity as a Muslim and Indian woman. You know, because I've been born and brought up in this sort of modern kind of a family, my family is not that extreme religious or traditional sort of family. 
so for me personally it's always about being an indian first and then a muslim and that's how even it's for my brother and for almost everybody in my generation um but i think i i in my identity of a muslim versus indian is very interchangeable in that sense because if i'm let's say in a setting with all indians right or all everybody with similar ideas and similar backgrounds then i think my identity as a muslim will come first if if i have to share something about you know like something let's say about food or culture or something of that sort right but for me it's always always about being an indian first and then a muslim because i mean i celebrate all festivals diwali holi everything since i was a kid so it's not that i prioritize being a muslim or something of that sort so yeah i think it's it's very very situational but if if asked a question i think it's always about being an indian first and anything else throughout her life tarana lived outside of india which sparked reflections on various issues related to race and racism she first shares her experiences as a child from washington dc in the united states When I was in the US I was really small I was probably 6 I was in kindergarten so whatever I know is very vague vague memories right but it was a great time I think it was fun carefree beautiful I saw snow for the first time and that was my happy moment like wow okay um so there I did not feel othered for two reasons one was the 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 neighborhood that we lived in was a south asian neighborhood where everybody was from india sri lanka bangladesh malaysia and you know similar backgrounds and the school that i went to was also mixed sort of a school you know how you have the schools for um these foreign kids and the british schools and the american schools and stuff right the ones for kids from other countries so luckily nothing happened specifically of that sort in the us we were there only for a year and a half so not too long but i can tell you one thing though which is not re- directly related to me but just general is that i have observed whenever us as asians go abroad especially in the us we tend to be closer to our own cultures and community people you will always see like indians hanging out with indians and you know pakistanis hanging out with pakistanis i don't know why maybe it's a sense of similar language and culture and stuff perhaps you know maybe i don't know but that pattern happens a lot especially in the us i've seen this because of my fa- my like my relatives my aunts and uncles you know being in the us so for example if i have a call with one of my cousins like who's there probably 19 20 i would ask hey so tell me about your friends where they come from you know you're curious to know right what what they do and all their friends are indians they don't even have one white friend so to say So that that is always interesting for me to to see how when you go abroad your identity that's back home becomes stronger right also the interesting thing is indians and pakistanis become best of friends when they go abroad so back in india you will fight like your enemies right back in india and pakistan you will like you know behave of that nature but when you're abroad you become the best of friends so i never understand how does that even interplay right but i think another reason is that you feel a sense of home you feel a sense of safety right you you sort of feel like these are my people so if i'm in a crisis i can count on them 
because that's what my aunt said when I had a similar conversation with her about you know people in different cultures and stuff like that and she says it's always about that sense of security and that sense of you know like if I'm in a crisis I know who to bank on. In addition to Washington DC as a young adult Tarana lived in The Hague for a temporary work. There she would experience something that would stick with her for the years to come. I went to The Hague to work briefly for like three months. It was a great experience. I learned a lot and stuff. But at the end of it, when I had a session with my supervisor, you know, like a feedback session of sort, like on your last day, how you have it at work, right? So he gave me all my feedback and everything, my letter of recommendation. And everybody was emotional. Oh my God, Tarana is leaving. So was I, right? And my manager told me something which actually... I wouldn't say it was racist or offensive or something because he's a great man who told me this as a positive feedback so that I know about it, right? That apparently a lot of people, and it was a small office, it was probably 20, 25 people, started feeling uncomfortable around me. So he gave me that as a feedback that some people, you know, used to stay a little away from you, like, you know, during coffee breaks and lunch breaks and, you know, those informal sort of situations at work. Because they felt that I stink or I smell. And I was just like, what the fuck? What? Like, I mean, it was shocking because I'm a clean, healthy person who bathes and regularly goes to work and, you know, all of that. And and he also felt a little weird in saying it to me out loud, right? He said, I don't know how to say this to you, Tarana, but I really want you to know about it. So, he and he said, don't feel bad or offended or anything. But this is the reason that a lot of people try to sort of be away from you. And I said, but I don't think that should be a reason, right? So the logic being here that uh, because everybody was a white person, I was the only and probably the first intern consultant who was a non-European. So they never had somebody um, from a different country. And which is why they found my normal body smell as different. And apparently the same situation my manager felt when he was in Africa when he was working in West Africa in a very difficult tribal community. So they, they gave him a similar feedback that your smell or your body odor, you know, in summers when it's really, really hot or, you know, in those kinds of situations or you're in the field doing extensive field work, whatever. Right. So in those kind of situations, even he felt something similar. And he got a similar kind of a feedback that people are not comfortable with your body language and, you know, your body odor. And he himself was surprised. So because he went through that experience when he was young, right, he told me that, you know, you should also be you should be aware about it at least. I mean, he, he didn't say that I smell bad because he said, no, I personally don't feel that. But some people did. So, which is why he told me about it. And I think I'm thankful for the fact that he told me. Otherwise, I wouldn't know why people are behaving like this with me, right? I was shocked because I didn't expect this, right? It was just out of out of the blue it came in, right? Um, one. And secondly, uh, I think I felt a little weird about it, of course, because nobody has ever given me that sort of a feedback, right? But I think that back then when I went back home, I, I just told myself, you know what, I should buy lots and lots of perfume and lots of like deodorant and keep with me. If I work in a similar kind of organization or cultural setting, you know, if I at any point in time, let's say, 
you know go go to a culture that has a lot of europeans or i'm probably the only indian there or something like that right i i just at the back of my mind i told myself i should just keep lots and lots of perfume in my bag and that's the only thing i can do maximum because i think i learned this very early that it's more about how it's not just about how you present yourself at work in your skills or your knowledge and you know the professional skills bit but a lot of things is to do with your body language the way you're talking to people your soft skills right i think those things i learned pretty early because i've been working since i was 16 i've been interning and working since i was young younger than that right so i think i learned it a little early the, how to behave in a formal work work setting so to say right so i just told myself that that just carry lots of perfume i think that's the only thing i can do because what would you do about it you can't do much about it it was really weird I, honestly i went back home i was in the tram and i was still taking time to process it because nobody has said that to me right ever in my life so it was yeah it was really weird experience i think it took me a week or two to just unwrap my head around it and you know just get used to it against the background of her experiences tarana shares her take on what racism is for her i think racism for me is the feeling of being othered as simple as that i think for again in my personal you know interpretation and experiences for example of what happened in the hague right or any of these instances that i narrated you for me it's it's not so much about um discrimination or her and i mean i'm i'm sure we, we all know about cases of discrimination and violence and rape and all the ugly things that happen right um, as a consequence of this but for me i think it's more about the feeling of being othered or the feeling of you know being uh, left out or as uh, as a person who's not a part of this crowd you know or somebody who's not a part of that group is how i would classify or label uh racism Tarana has the following to say on what she thinks it takes to be anti-racist I think you know to be anti-racist is not easy and I think what I was telling you in the beginning of this conversation was that shit I didn't realize I was also being a racist person you know because I used to think I'm not a racist person I used to think I'm a very equal sort of person who respects everybody who's sensitive and you know all of that but i realized that subconsciously even i am racist and i think we all are racists and especially as south as asian south asians we all are very very racist people i think we all are but we need to acknowledge that and we need to understand that yes we are a racist society that sort of we need to improve on these gray areas that have been developed and i think it's and there's nobody to be blamed you know i can probably blame my parents and say that oh i'm racist because of you but they have been racist because of their parents right or whatever like it's it's it just passes on no from one generation to another and also the socialization no the sort of groups that you're in the kind of schools you go to the kind of education you have but at least people like you and me acknowledge that right we acknowledge that we've been racist in our lives and i feel bad about it terribly but now that i've acknowledged it like a few years ago like let's say actually since i went to geneva i think i i started acknowledging these in subtle subtle sort of ways but now that i do acknowledge it i try to be more careful or i just try to you know be uh, just be more respectful i would say 
I can't fix this problem. I wish I could. I mean, I wish we, people like you and me could fix these issues. But we can do a little bit, right? Like we can do our small, small uh, ways to fix it. You can find more information about the caste system in India, as well as other articles, books, and videos Tarana recommends people to take a look at on racism on our website, www.ourcontext.org. You can also find a transcript of this episode on our website in English, French, German, and Italian. If you have a personal story to share, reach out to us on our website, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us by typing in hashtag our underscore racism. This is Fumi and Hashigar Racism. See you next month on May 4th. This episode was produced and edited by me, Fumi. Introductory score by Luca Nioi. Other music by Pete Morse, Crescent Music, and Fugu Vibes. A big thank you to Tarana for her time and energy in sharing with us crucial and valuable reflections on this issue.